Ask Alliance visits with George Chase, president of Insurers of Texas, about transitioning ownership of family businesses. Listen for how his great-grandfather took a creative approach to getting a job at the company in the 1930s. Maybe this was inspiration for Kramer's famous career strategy on Seinfeld. We hope you enjoy the chat and it brings you value. George, I appreciate you sitting down with me today. Uh, I thought about you Thanks because for I was uh, thinking about transitioning and family-owned businesses. And I know that that's a part of your story. I know your family's business has been around a long time. I don't know all the background behind it. But, uh, you know, we talked a little bit prior about the dynamics of doing that. And uh, a lot of people know their business, but they do not know how to work through some of those issues that may seem common sense to people that are more experienced in it or have it come up more often. Uh, so ultimately, I wanted to talk about that. But before we do, just tell us a little bit about, I know you you grew up here. Yep. Tell us a little bit about you, your story, and kind of how you got to where you are and what you're doing today. Yeah, so I uh, grew up in Waco, graduated from Waco High, um, went to school at Vanderbilt in Nashville, decided that maybe I wanted to go back and come to work here in the insurance business. And uh, so I sold insurance in Atlanta for about a year and a half to make sure I kind of liked what the business was before coming back here. Came back here in, uh, at the end of 1993 and have been working for Insurance of Texas ever since then. Why Vanderbilt? It was the best school that would take me. <laughs> uh, at least I thought it was the best school that would take Did me. Did you have anybody in your family had gone there before? Yeah, so my dad went there yeah. and then uh, my sister ended up going there. My wife went there. So we've got a a little bit of a connection. Yeah, I smile about that because uh, I think I mentioned before, uh, one of the guys' story I talked to one time told me, he said, I said, why did you go to that college? He said, well, actually, I was a terrible student in high school, and I got a postcard in the mail, and they said, uh, you know, if you sign this and fill it in, that's your application, and I did, and the next thing I got was a letter of approval. <laughs> he said, I was in. He said, I literally got a postcard. And he said, now, that school doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> well, he turned out to be very successful. Yeah, I don't well, really hurt, him, uh, hurt him at all. He knew what he was doing. So tell me about Insurance of Texas. I know it's been around a long time. Yeah, so it dates back to 1900 uh, through a couple different name changes. Uh, my great-grandfather went to work there in the 30s. And then my dad went to work for his uncle in roughly 72, 73. And then I went to work for my dad in, at the end of 1993. And you were saying something about somebody went on vacation and that was his opportunity? Or yeah, so apparently my great-grandfather, he couldn't get a job with this guy, but he knew it was what he wanted to do. The guy went to Europe on vacation and he went over there and started working for free. And when he came back, he was like, the guy was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I've been working here for two weeks now. And the guy decided to keep him and it all worked out. I don't know how much that's true. That's what my dad tells me. Work, working for free can create a lot of opportunities, you know? That's right, that's you right. Know. Makes it makes it hard for him to fire you too. Yeah, exactly. Like Kramer story. Kramer, we have to let you go. So well, I don't even work here. So no, that's why it's so hard. You know, hard to fire people. We don't even pay you. But anyway, so Insurance of Texas uh, wasn't by that name, but it's that that old. What's um, so your dad started there? Yeah, he started in '72. Bought, bought, bought out his uncle and a couple years. of other partners in the early '80s for the most part. So he was the sole sole owner. 
He was a sole owner from 82 or 3 until we bought him out in 2012, uh, some partners and I. Yeah, and insurers, what, what, what is comprised of insurers? Is it one company? It's one company. Um, we have an affiliated company, Investors Brokerage of Texas. Yeah. Insurers of Texas does, uh, we do three things primarily, but the biggest two things we do, commercial property and casualty insurance, employee benefits, and then we do personal insurance yeah, as well. Personal lines. Uh, that's, but... Commercial property and casualty and employee benefits are each about 45% of our business. Personal insurance is the remaining yeah. 10. Yeah. And then Investors Brokerage of Texas does investments. And so a lot of people, I think, aren't aware, you're an agency. You're not an insurance company. We are not an insurance people company. We use those words interchangeably, but you're, you're an insurance agency. Yeah, we're so just a retail mean? agency. So we place risks for and place it with other insurance companies, with insurance companies, not with other agencies. Um, and they take the risk. So we're basically in the sales and service business, taking care of customers, making sure we place them with the right companies for what their needs are. Yeah. So you get to bid about and hopefully find them the best deal. You're not yeah. locked into one. Exactly. One exactly. Um, you know, I, I uh, really wasn't aware, or maybe it's changed over the years. I kind of think, especially like casualty insurance for buildings, property, you know, equipment, all those type of things, that you know, insurance is insurance, and you just get your agent, and they write whatever you need. But it really has seemed to be more specialized. It seems like uh, commercial agents, they must like an underwriting in other businesses in our business. They kind of find niches or whatever, like they, they kind of specialize. Is that different? It's always been that way. To a degree, I think it's more so now than it used to be. Um, I think there's more specialization. There certainly is with insurance companies in that they don't want just any risk. They usually like yeah. particular types of risks. And then our salespeople tend to gravitate towards risks that they're more familiar with. Yeah, I know some agents that are really, you know, they have a lot of contractors. Or yeah. Some people do a lot of multifamily. And then when you talk to them, like, eh, I don't really do multifamily. Like, well, insurance is insurance. You know? Right. It's like, no, because of the specifics of the industry and the underwriting and all, they tend to, well, they can find somebody, but they tend to... They tend I, to I think to, you tend to have more success on, on a type of business yeah, you're familiar with because you know what their concerns are. Yeah. But I'll also say, I think that, I'm sure it's a lot like banking. One of my favorite things about the insurance business, we get to see a lot of different businesses. Yeah. And, and I like learning about different yeah. businesses and how they work and what makes them successful. And I know banking's similar to that it's, in that yeah, regard. Because that's exactly why I ended up doing what I was doing. I grew up in a small family business. And I knew I didn't, you know, when things worked out that I didn't want to stay there and do that, I talked to our community banker. Yeah. And uh, one of the things he said that he liked about it was he said, you know, one day I'm dealing with this type of business, the next day I'm dealing And business is business. And I never really thought of it that way. I thought, you know, how can the CEO of Procter Gamble go to be the CEO of some other totally different industry? Right. He's like, it's called business is really the same. And, you know, it's different. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of interesting. When you said we bought out your father. How did that come about? I assume it's we, like you and your siblings? Is that you and other managers? No, some other, yeah, the management team, um, there were originally, I guess, primarily two of us that bought him out. Um, and then now there are four, my sister still has a little bit of ownership interest, but yeah. primarily uh, there are four of us that really own most of it. Yeah, without delving too much into your family dynamics, but the specifics, could you talk a little bit just about how that process came to be? I mean, well, one, let's back up. When did you kind of decide, no, this is what I want to do? You know, you, you could, you did something before, you could have done something differently, but you decided, yeah, um, hey, this, is, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to be here. Yeah, well, transition into, how do you make that step from, you know, dad running the business to dad doing less? And I think that's where people really struggle. Sure. He, so it worked out, I mean, it, it all worked out well, I think, uh, 
we would have appreciated the opportunity to buy him out a little earlier had really? it presented itself. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the way those things go. Yeah. Um, so when he was ready to sell, it probably could have been something that I could have done on my own. Um, but our business is, is driven by people. I mean, we don't, have to, we don't have to invest in a lot of equipment. I mean, yeah. obviously we have computers and technology, but that's, that's it. And so yeah. most of it's driven by the success of your people. And so yeah. two things sort of played into that. Uh, I wanted some partners because it was a little more risk than I wanted to take on yeah. on my own. But I also wanted, it was an opportunity to grow the business and that you give other people ownership interest they buy in with you, and hopefully it's going to contribute to your success. Yeah. And it's worked that way. We've, we've grown every year since we bought it and been a little more profitable every year since yeah. we bought it. So you love producers. You kept the producers. Yeah, and so and, and several of them are my partners now. Yeah. And it also allowed us to bring in someone else who had worked in another line of work, and so um, it's worked out real well that way. So you actually put together a buy arrangement, buy the father out, you know, fancy however you do that, and then you own it and run it, and then he's completely out of the business? He's completely out of the business, and, and he had been slowing down in the active day-to-day yeah. operations of the business anyway. Um, we still owe him a fair amount of money, yeah. um, but he's comfortable with the arrangement, yeah. so he was so, comfortable keeping that. And how do you work through that, and actually, you don't have to use your example, but I know you know of others too, how do you work through that with other siblings and stuff? They have to be part of the part of the uh, discussion, I assume, because uh, the interesting part to me, it's not only, it's kind of, there's two things, with, you can come up with the best business decision sometime, yep. and sometimes it becomes obvious, oh, well, that's just the right sibling to run the business, or be involved in the business, or whatever, but that doesn't always mean that they're going to be getting together at Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving's next week, yeah, right. if you're not careful, these are, these family businesses, I mean, there's a lot of emotion, and and things get involved, and, and I know that in my family, it was that my mom never wanted to be a part of the business discussion with the family business, Yep. Um, but toward the end, I was like, you know, that's when she would get up and leave the table and start doing other things, I said, like, well, yeah. sit back down, because you do care if everyone gets along, yeah. right, and she, yeah. oh yeah, she cares about that, so then let's all try to talk about it together, because those, those dynamics um, really play out. They can be tricky, yeah, yeah. I mean... Fortunately for us, it, you know, our business wasn't something that my sister ever wanted to do. I mean, she's, yeah. She works in the nonprofit world, and that's worked out great for her. Um, I'd been working there 20-something years at the time we bought it out. Uh, and I guess we were fortunate in that there are a lot of transactions in, the, in our industry. And so yeah. you kind of know what things ought to cost and what yeah. someone else would be willing yeah. to pay for it. Um, my dad gave us a very fair deal, uh, but, you know, we paid basically yeah. market price for it. Um, I mean, we paid probably on the low end of what the market yeah. price would be, but we still paid market price. And so communication on the front end, so everybody knows going in is yeah, kind of the key. Yeah, and, and, we, and we left, my sister owns just a little bit of the company, yeah. just kind of as a family legacy yeah. type thing, uh, but doesn't have any, anything to do with the day-to-day operation. It seems like it's so important to have that discussion you know, I tell people to have those discussions before people start passing away. Because yeah. once people start, well, another thing I've learned is that people don't pass away in the order that we think they're going to. They do and not. Without it, planning, uh, it gets to be a problem. And yeah. then again, the feelings get hurt and, and people are involved. So if, at least if you have a plan going in, um, 
in this case, you actually consummate a deal is even better. Yeah. But even if, if people don't get into a buy sell or maybe the current family, I don't want to sell yet. There are other things they can do with wills and contracts and things to have discussion. Right. Right. Um, and uh, and get those things kind of lined out. So when the time comes, it's it's already kind of planned out and you map it out and people understand why they were doing. What yeah, I think that's the. I mean, for us, that made it all work. Is that it was, it it flowed logically. As I mean, yeah. Have you ever come across situations in family businesses where the, you know, maybe one sibling is expected to take over the business, maybe because he or she's the oldest, or maybe he or she seems more inclined. Than the right. Other, and but they don't really want to. Yeah. But they don't want to tell the parent because they want to disappoint them. Those kind of stories. Yeah, I, I think that happens pretty frequently. Yeah. And uh, like I said, you know, I think. I think uh, in addition to hard work, there's there's luck involved in things, yeah. and I think it's a little lucky that I liked this industry. Yeah. I, I mean, because I, I could see you get into something that you just don't really enjoy doing. And in some of those cases, and there are people that do this professionally and, and know a lot more than, than you know, because they deal with it a lot more than I do, certainly, but some of that I've heard that were kind of new, new thinking is where the, the children hired someone to run the business. Sure. And that, that was completely out of the realm of possibility. They're like, well, what do you mean hire someone? You know, I can't hire someone to run. No one wants to run an XYZ company. But no, yeah. there, there's ways to do that. And they can or cannot be involved in the day-to-day. Yeah. You know? and I th- well, I think that's a, that's a variation kind of on, I mean, as I said, we bought the business out and I have partners. And, and that's, that's a little bit of the same thing. Yeah. And that you're, you're trying to get people on board that can help you grow the business. Yeah. And, and in this case, the, the father brought in a person that ended up being a whiz kid and, and had connections that could really make it a better company, but he had two sons in the business, and they had to sit down and work out a plan, and, and with a little creative thinking, they decided they could raise this person up to probably run the company, and ultimately yeah. he worked for them, uh, but they each would continue in their roles within the company. It's a little bit different dynamic, but they felt like overall um, that helped the family stay together, yeah. and if that hadn't been handled the right way, you know, it would have changed everything. Well, I mean, building more value. I have uh, two daughters in college, and I don't know if this is going to be a business that they have any interest yeah. in. But when we're looking for new producers, I mean, that's one of the things we're considering. Hey, is this somebody that can eventually become a partner and buy us out? And yeah. it's, um, I mean, we haven't owned the company long, but it's still something we think about. Yeah. So we'd like to perpetuate it. And I also think it's a great opportunity for somebody. I mean, hey, you want to go to work? In sales, sure. Yeah. We're going to work in sales with the idea that eventually you can be an owner. Yeah. It's a much more attractive idea. Here's a, kind of a tricky question. Uh, anytime there's a change in management or, or, or leadership of a company, it tends to take a little bit of a different direction. Yep. Well, in this case, the former president CEO is still alive. He's upstairs. <laughs> He's upstairs. <laughs> and you're going to see him at Thanksgiving more than Right. Uh, how does, has, has any of that come up, or has the, the direction changed much, or have y'all gone no, you know, we have some discussions about doing things a little differently than Dad would have done it? I'm sure we have done things differently, um, but we've largely tried to do things in a similar manner. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying, we're aiming for steady Profitable, consistent growth, yeah. and that's kind of what, yeah. and 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 you do that by taking care of your customers, yeah. taking care of your people, yeah. and being a good citizen in the community. Yeah. And so, I don't think it's much different. I think he's, uh, I think he's been proud that we've, we've, as I said, we you know we've grown a little bit every year. Yeah. We've been a little more profitable every year. Yeah. And I think he's happy to see that. It sounds like the, the value set hadn't changed. Maybe the execution might change a little bit. Yeah, I mean, how's the 
How's the, the business changed since you've been involved from, from years ago? You know, the biggest difference is it, it's like any other business. It's more and more automated. Yeah. Um, we have 40 employees, which has been pretty steady, and yet we've grown yeah. uh, consistently for, for a long time. And so uh, I think the same thing will hold true. If we have 40 employees in 10 years, we'll be twice the size, so, you know, yeah. probably of where we are. Probably still more relationship-driven. It's still a relationship business. It's still X's and O's and taking care of people, but, people. but it's like everything else. It's much more automated. I, I would say, you know, one, one thing that struck me the other day is, and, and I imagine the bank's the same way, but how much... It used to be that we all lived on the phone. When you got to work yeah. in the morning at 8 o'clock yeah. until the time you left, yeah. you were on the phone. And now so much more of that communication is done electronically. Yeah. How many phone calls have you taken where you don't know who's on the end now? Probably it's none. a pretty rare thing. Yeah. yeah. It's totally, totally yeah. changed. Uh, how is there any, have you given any thoughts? How do we not become commoditized and disrupted? That's pretty. Yeah, and I think so it's a tough, to it is a scary, scary thing. Especially in retail, is an obvious one, but you know. The, the well, I mean, we're a middleman. We're middleman we're, we're the, the definition of the so middleman. How do we, how do we uh, yeah. brand ourselves so you don't I just think, go online and get? I got. I need insurance for an apartment complex. Yeah, I think the only reason we are still around, and what I hope will continue to be, is that we provide value, and that insurance is complicated. Yeah, and no one um, understands it. No one really knows what they're buying, so and so you need you need someone to explain it to you. And I hope it stays that way. <laughs> but I do find I mean it's scary when you you're, you're we're a middleman yeah. almost by we're like the quintessential middleman. Keep on these policies where no one understands them. You hope you keep <laughs> providing value to people so that they want to keep doing business with you. One of the last things I want to mention. Um, Y'all got a beautiful building downtown. Like Fifth Street. Thank you. Yeah, yeah so we're on uh, yeah. Fifth Street, Caddy Corner from the Dr. Pepper Museum. I love to see the old, where the houses, buildings redone. You know, it's just kind of, if you like those type of things. But you all did it kind of early on before it was popular. Yeah, we moved in. Uh, we've completed construction and moved in in October of 2005. And so we wow. bought the building in maybe 03, probably. Construction took, the, the building had been vacant for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and it was in pretty bad shape. I mean, structurally, it's great. It's a, it's a really solid building. But it was dilapidated and run down. Um, and so took about a year and a half of construction. And we moved downtown, and it's been great. It, uh, it's, it's amazing how much more is going on downtown. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's developed where, I mean, you don't see it every day, obviously. But thinking back to how many, how any fewer businesses there were at the yeah, time yeah. and then when you add in the restaurants and things to do it, it's fantastic we've loved being down there yeah that's kind of that's going to prove to be a great investment there's just also visibility with the client base and everything. yeah yeah it's worked out well i'm trying to figure out how we put a big sign on top of it yeah uh, i hadn't done that yet well we can give you all credit you, you were the y'all that started it all i'm sure that <laughs> y'all were innovators i don't know that we get quite that much credit but we've we were kind of on the front end of it and it's worked out really well a good deal um What's the, what, the last thing? What are the what challenges? What challenges? What's your probably the biggest challenge you think coming up? Just that part about staying relevant, or is it? Yeah, I think it, it's staying relevant. Um, hiring changes. Contract that contract has contract? been you know we we it's always been a regulated industry, and so that's stayed pretty consistent. Um, the biggest challenges are finding 
new salespeople. I was something. Say is talent. I mean, yeah, that's that's the biggest every problem. Industry to. Every industry, talent at every level. It's, yeah, it's at every level. Um, it's it's helped that Waco has a better name now, yeah. and I think that helps in that people people who go to Baylor are more likely to want to stay here, yeah. or people coming from somewhere else are more likely to think they're willing to make that move. Um, but it's still it's hard. It's, it's really hard. Ours is a hard business to. There's a lot to learn. I mean, I guess every business, but... Um, yeah, it's like my generation. We went wherever we could find the best opportunity to a job or wherever we could make the most. And yeah. the younger people now, they decide where they want to live, and then they kind of work right. around that. What's so it's a good, place yeah. to be in a good place to live. It, it absolutely yeah. helps, yeah. Lord, I appreciate you spending the time. I hope Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Be thoughtful about how to transition those businesses. I, I hope maybe something will click with somebody. I, I don't know. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. All right.